Thank you, Lord. Father, we believe that, Lord, your word is eternal and truthful, and we just want to receive it today. And if you agree, say amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Don't just smile at those people around you. You never know. They just might need it this morning. I want to add my welcome to uh, Kate's welcome this morning to all those who may be just uh, with us for the first time and guests this morning. It's great to have you here, or maybe the first time for a little while. I want to turn to a passage of scripture this morning in one uh, second Timothy. There's a letter Paul wrote to a young guy called Timothy in uh, chapter 2 and verses 18 to 13. And uh, if you have your uh, whatever this morning Bible or the phone, you can read it off yours. You might be more familiar with it. If you haven't, it's there on the screen. Uh, I, my, my real prayer this morning is this simple truth and word this morning will do you good whether uh, it's the first time you've heard a thought like this or it's the, it maybe it's the hundredth time. It doesn't matter. I just pray that my passion would be that you just receive it today. It's one thing that I want to uh, be able to live my days right to the end and, and never leave the, this earth until God decides that I've, you know, it's time to go. Don't you want to do that? I never want to, I want to endure. I want to keep on going. I want to not prematurely end up in heaven. I want to go there when it's God's timing. Would you agree? Amen. And it just says in 2 Timothy, it says this, remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead. This is Paul speaking to Timothy saying, hey Tim, remember Jesus Christ. He was raised from the dead. Remember he has a long line of descendants right back to David and even further back to Adam if the truth is. And this is, this is the simple gospel for which Paul says, I'm suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not changed. Don't you love Paul's upbeat attitude? I might be in jail, but God's word is never chained. It's never limited. Uh, And then he goes on to say, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. In other words, the elect are those who who are going to come to Christ, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And then Paul makes this great statement. He says, here is a trustworthy saying. Have you ever caught on to something and you think, that's a great thought? And you repeat it several times, you know, throughout your life. Because you just think, that's, that's, that's a principle I could live my life by. That's something I could just put a stake in the ground and say, that's, that's something I want, to, uh, I want to fulfill. And it's like that moment for Paul. And he says, here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we'll also live with him. Talking about if we die to our fleshly passions and desires, we'll also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I'll say the verse 12 again. If we endure, we will also, what, with him? We will reign with him. If we endure, we will reign. And, you know, I want to, as I've just mentioned, I, I want to, in, I, I think to get to the end of our life uh, when uh, not one second too late or too early and finally we come to the last days on this earth, uh, you know, between here and that point, for me and for you this morning, there's a little, there's a portion of life that's called endurance. Isn't that right? Remember the days when maybe you're in high school and, and, you, and it was compulsory in my day, you had to run the cross country. Who remembers those high school days? You had to run the cross. Who didn't enjoy that day? 
honest. That's good to see honesty. Some of us did. Some of us, probably a lot of us, like, have to do this. And, uh, and one thing I discovered about the cross country, it wasn't a sprint. It was, a, it was more of a marathon, wasn't it? And if I was going to get to the end, I just had to pace myself. And you ever seen those, uh, I'd be jogging along, and you ever seen those people who flash past you 100 miles an hour and thought, far out, they're fast. And as you just continually jog along, all of a sudden they're walking and you jog past them and think, well, they're not so fast. And then they'd flash past you again and you'd catch up again. And, you know, I, I, I just think sometimes life is just continual, steady, enduring, isn't it? Keep on moving forward. And it's not the, you know, the stop and start life that God, He doesn't want us to have that. He wants us to be continual and uh, realize this life is all about uh, getting to the end and being happy and enjoying it and enjoying the journey. But there is elements of endurance. I, I want to draw your attention this morning. In 1976, it was an Olympic year. Uh, I knew that because um, I was only 13 at the time. Thank you very much, Dale. I was 13 at the time, and, and we had a television. It wasn't much of a television, but I think I can remember some of the watching. They broadcast a little bit of the Olympics in those days. And in 1976, there was a man from the Japanese, who was an athlete, a gymnast, actually, from the Japanese team. And uh, he, his name was, interesting, Shu uh, Fujimoto. What a wonderful name, Shu Fujimoto. And uh, actually, here he is. Uh, this is a picture room. As you can see him on the left, he's a gymnast, very muscular and strong. But the interesting story for the Montreal Olympics in Canada in 1976 goes like this. Shu um, was doing the combined, af the combined team event. You know where they all tally their scores together and they go through all the apparatuses, the floor exercise, the rings like you see there, you know, the pommel horse and all that stuff. And the team, collectively, the sum total of their scores will either win them, you know, uh, a placing... And, of course, the Japanese team had been an expert team. And they had won the gold medal most years in the past Olympics. And this year, they were keen to win it again. And on the floor exercise, this man here, Shu, Shu, uh, as he'd done his last running, tumble, turn, somersault, and twist, he landed and fractured his right leg. Whew. That's, it must have been a good, uh, a good <laughs> exercise. He must have been quite powerful. Uh, but he fractured his right leg just around his knee area. And he had excruciating pain. Now, the story behind Fu Shu is this, is that he didn't let anybody know. He got, he got off the, uh, the floor apparatus, and his next, it was, it was the combined team's event. And Japan was just um, 0.5 behind the Russian team. And he knew that he had to go through his last elements, which was the rings. He had to score well, because it was his strongest event. He couldn't let this pain in his right leg, not knowing what it actually was, but afterwards they discovered it was a fracture. He thought, I'm going to push through. And so he went to the rings. And of course, the rings, as you know, is mainly upper body strength. And he conducted himself incredibly. He'd done a fantastic thing. But Shu knew that the point of a real uh, test and challenge and courage would come when he had to land the whole thing. Because he had to, and he was going to do a triple somersault with a twist and land upright to score a good score. You know what they do? They land with two feet together, hands like that. And they've got to stay there for, you know, a matter of maybe one 
one or two seconds to get the points from the judges. And Shu done a fantastic job. Pain in his right leg. And as he done that, he knew is as he does this triple twist, uh, sorry, triple somersault with a twist to land, he knew that he was about to face one of the most horrific moments in his life, the most excruciating pain in his right leg. And as he landed, he landed beautifully. He stood there momentarily. He got the applause of the, of the of crowd there that day. And as he stood just long enough for the, the judges to judge him, his right leg then buckled gruesomely beneath him as he also dislocated his knee. <laughs> so, can you picture the pain? The doctors said afterwards that no human being on earth should physically be able to handle such pain. A fractured right leg and then dislocated on the dismount. I reckon, I reckon that's a fair bit of courage to do that. What do you reckon? The good news is for the Japanese team is they went away and they gained the gold medal again. And not till afterwards did any of his teammates, did anybody else or the team doctor know that he had the injury he had. And of course on the right side of this picture, there he is in a cast right up to his knee. And he was asked many years later, if you had to do that again, would you? And, he, I'd, and his answer was, no. <laughs> <laughs> never, <laughs> I would never do that. A gold medal is not worth that pain. But at the time, he was only 26. He thought it was worth it. And I'd like to say he endured. But you know, he didn't endure just for that moment when he landed that, uh, that triple somersault with a twist. He endured the pain of training decade for a decade before that. Since he was 16, he'd trained and practiced for that moment when he would be at the Olympics. The, the, the pain of every day, early mornings, late nights, getting up, pushing his body to the extreme. And it was the only reason that he could win, come through right at the end and cross the line and done well. It was the only reason. Because he knew what pain was, and this was just another, that was another level he endured. And, you know, I, I just think that's exactly what Paul is saying to, the ch to young Timothy here. Because he says, he put it, let me put it in a nutshell. He says, if we endure, we shall also reign. If we push through, we'll get the gold medal. And then that the truth. And it's not about the short sprint, folks, that you Christian walk. It's about sometimes just pushing through enduring and it's not all painful uh, let's be honest <laughs> if the christian work walk was all painful uh, we probably would say you know give it up is a bad idea but there's elements of great joy but i've discovered something that often joy comes as a choice and so not because of the circumstances around you that's the truth of the matter and i've discovered that endurance is not a moment or an event it's not something that just happens. And you know, God hears your prayers, but I've discovered sometimes I've got to pray more than once. I think God hears your heart, but sometimes we've got to let him see it more than just once. I think sometimes God sees your life and, and he wants to communicate with you, but he's got to just allow that time more than just the once. And it's not that God doesn't hear the once, but I just think he, he knows he wants to build something into our life and that's why when we ask, it doesn't always happen straight away. God always answers. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's just wait. And that's the time. That's the enduring moment, isn't it? Endurance isn't a sudden thing. It's not having, you know, um, 
uh, winning some incredible amount of money and you know um, the, going to the gold lotto you know where you got a hundred dollars not that I indulge in it to be honest but you have a hundred dollars one day and then all of a sudden you win something and you got a hundred thousand the next that's not enduring that's just that's just having the victory without all the hard work isn't it and that sometimes might happen in life but it really doesn't teach you anything would you agree some of the people who've become millionaires overnight, 70% statistically, they tell us, within a year, haven't got anything left. What does that tell you about learning <laughs> from experiences? So in, it, the word endurance literally means to carry on despite the hardship or to carry on through. And this morning, we could take that word hardship and you could, you could, um, uh, you could replace it with anything else that you would want to replace it with this morning. Because endurance means to carry on through despite the fact that sometimes we just get hurt in life. Uh, endurance means despite the fact that you sometimes just run out of, of, um, uh, of finance or, or, or run out of resources or whatever it may be. Endurance sometimes is the fact that someone, despite the fact that someone said something that just wasn't true. Despite the fact that your prayers didn't get answered straight away. Despite the fact that you got sick when we thought we should never have had that. Despite the fact, and I'm not wishing, and today is not this doomsday kind of message, but it's just a message of reality and truth and saying, come on, uh, you know, uh, if we endure, there's going to come a time when we what? Rain. And that can happen every day. We can rain in some small area, and there can be some long-term goals as well. But when we endure, the promise is, will we might rain? No, we will rain. We will reign. And to reign means to rule, to prevail, to dominate, to govern with authority. And that's what you get to arrive at when you learn to prevail. And to prevail means to prove more powerful than the opposing force. To prove something more powerful and to overcome. And Paul says it again, and I'll say it again. He says, endure and you will reign with him. And, you know, that's... Uh, for some of us, it's, it, you could just drill down and it can be the simplest of things. It's getting up every morning. I mean, sometimes you guys do it. You get up every morning, sometimes early to get to work. And sometimes you don't want to do that. You know, sometimes we, it's doing the things we sometimes don't want to do, it, but we know that's important to do because it creates something of a lasting effect if we do it every day. And uh, it's getting up. It's it's keeping keep on holding on to those promises of God. It's it's keep on keeping your first love for Him. It's keep on it's keeping on. Sometimes just praying, and it might be the same prayer every day. But I tell you, God hears the cry of our heart. It's keep on believing for what God wants us to do and come through. It's keep on being in that place of connection and fellowship with other Christians. For some people, um, uh, we need to that endurance. And I want you to understand something this morning that I've learned, and I think most of us here this morning will have already learned, that, that endurance doesn't come by pure chance. It doesn't come all of a sudden. It's not something that you, that you just go through a period of difficulty in a trial and, and, and you say, oh, oh, you know, that's okay, these things come and go. No, you make a decision on how you're going to go through it. You make a decision on what you're going to do. And it, you just don't arrive at a place of victory just all of a sudden. It, it, there's some enduring. There's some decisions you've got to make and, the, and, and what needs to happen. And so just this morning, I want to take a moment this morning just to talk about what can help us. Us, 
what happens when you endure, what really happens in your life that sometimes we never really verbalize or talk about, but this has already happened and will continue to happen in your life when you stand strong and endure and keep on going. These are the things that happen. And the very first thing that I've discovered about my life that happens when I endure and I don't run from the trial or the problem, but I push through, is that very simple, I just become a better person. You might think, is that important? Well, yeah, it is. Because there's not a soul here this morning that doesn't want to become a better person. Isn't that true? We all just want to become better people. Now, there's some parts of our life that we know doesn't make us better people and we desperately try to, to download that and get rid of it. But we honestly, for all of us, we, none of us probably go out of our way to try and hurt or do things that are wrong or say things that are wrong or, or try and destroy others or destroy ourselves. We never do that. We want to become better. We want to have this wonderful thing of being elevated. We want to, from where we are today, next year, when we go into next year, we want to see different things happen. We want to see greater things happen. We want to see more happen. And I think that's a great thought this morning and a great word that Kate shared, that the reality is don't wait till the new year. What about today? What about today? God wants to start something new today in our lives. And so we just become better people. There's a verse in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. It, it, it can become quite uh, difficult to grasp this when we first read it because it says, Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Consider it pure joy. Let me read on. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking what? Anything. There we go. Paul says, you know, if you're willing to go through endure, you can find there's going to come a level of maturity in your life. You know, a, a level of um, being complete, more complete than you were yesterday because endurance does that to you. It makes you a better person. I like that. Can I <clears throat> just share something important about this thought? Going through difficult times does not make you a better person. Let me just explain it. Going through because the truth is, going through difficult times can actually have the opposite effect on people. Uh, because pe people allow themselves to become uh, a little bitter, a bit twisted, a bit hurt, a bit suspicious, a bit cynical, a bit uh, untrusting. Because that's what trials and problems sometimes can do to people. Now, of course, going through a difficult time, see, doesn't make you necessarily, automatically, a better person. Here's the truth. Enduring through a difficult time makes you a better person. Come on, can you grab that? Enduring through a difficult time makes you a better person. Um, just because you went through a difficult difficulty doesn't mean that you endured through it. So we've got, to, we've got to say, hey, what's enduring? I need to just endure it. I need to keep on moving. Is it possible? You know, it is possible, folks, just to give up, to see the difficulty too much, to clock off emotionally, to withdraw, to run away, to clock off spiritually and say, and we never tell God, I'm out of here. You never say that to God. I've always discovered, if, you know, when I walk away from God, it's never like, see you later, God, I've had an... I never do that. I just slippery slope, go down the slippery slope of compromise and walk away. And before I know it, I'm a distance away and I've got to... How did I get here? And endurance is never allowing that to happen. Endurance is never allowing 
the slippery slope of compromise to take you away from where God wants you to be, and particularly with Him. Um, see, the difficulty itself won't make you a better person, but enduring through difficulty will make you a better person. And uh, uh, the truth is, it's when we have to be willing to, in the enduring moment is this, it's, put it in real practical terms, it's when you're willing to forgive. It's when you're willing to give thanks in all circumstances, because the circumstances aren't comfortable, but you give thanks anyway. It's being willing, as I've already said, to pray again, and then even tomorrow pray again, and then the next day even pray again. It's being willing uh, to keep on loving God, uh, when there's no reasons sometimes you think to love God. It's continuing to be connected in the body of Christ, even when you've got every reason to say, it's not worth it, you think anyway. Um, and the interesting thing is, James says, would you count it actually, not just endure, but endurance is counting it pure joy. <laughs> and you've got to say, James, come on, that's a bit stiff, isn't it? How can you count difficult times in the midst of that he didn't say count the thing you're going through pure joy he said just have pure have joy notice there's a difference see i the path to pure joy some people can think well it's joy will come when i have no problems is that true if i have no problems i'm going to have joy uh, but the reality is is that uh, you know the truth is is that paul James is not saying that, he's, he's literally saying, because many people live with that false belief, when I have no problems, then I'm going to be happy. And, and the truth is, the path to God's pure joy is mine when I face my problems. You think, okay, how can you have joy when you're facing problems? Well, it mightn't be joyful, but there's nothing wrong with having joy in my heart and peace in my heart, even in the midst of the problem. See, we think, oh, when I no problem, I'll have joy. No, why wait to then? Why not have, Father, I just, I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going to thank you anyway. I'm going to have joy well before that. See, if you face your problem, uh, that's, that's what Paul's saying in James. Come on, consider it pure joy when you go through various trials of many kinds. In other words, let joy, make a decision about the attitude of gratitude. Uh, that's the reality. Because if you can't change the circumstances in your life, you can surely change how you respond to those circumstances, can't you? You choose. You make a choice about your mindsets and about your attitudes. And, and your trial, I've discovered, can become your friend when it forces you to enjoy the fellowship of our God. I'll say it again. I've discovered the trial and the problem and the struggle can become my friend when it forces you to enjoy the fellowship or draws you near to God. I, uh, I heard this great thought, and, uh, and it's just this thought. Um, how different would we live our lives if we really believed that God wholeheartedly loves us and is not angry with you? I'll say it again. How would you live your life if you really believe that God really, really, really does love you? How would you be when you face the problem or the struggle? How would you be when you face that struggle knowing that God really does love you? Because I believe if we did and we heard some, a struggle or a problem or a terrible news came our way, 
it would fall on a heart that believes God loves them. And if we have a heart that believes God loves them, then we would then start to believe what God says about us and His truth. And His truth says this, I know all things can work together for good that loves God, because God loves me. And we start to believe things like in Jeremiah when he says, you know, I, 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 I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to, to bless you and not curse you, to give you a hope and not fear, you know. We'd start to believe the promises. We'd start to say, hey, you know, and I would just challenge you to actually consciously, because probably most of us would say today, I know God loves me, but the consciously, when you're facing the struggle, let your first thought be, God still loves me. Because often your flesh or the devil, what does he want to say when there's a struggle or a problem? God doesn't love you. Sounds like the whole garden scene again, if, if you ask me, in, in Genesis with Eve, doesn't it? God doesn't love you. You wouldn't be going through this if it was God loved you. I want to tell you, it's the biggest lie on the face of the earth. See, I'm not sure that God actually wants us to go through some of the problems I go through. Is because I think sometimes I generate them myself, and you do too. So, mm. But I'm glad that I serve a God that can truly turn the valleys into mountains. Come on. I'm just glad that I, can, I still serve a God that takes our worst times and brings some of the best times of life out of it. I'm just glad that God promises us what God promises are still true. I'm just glad that He still makes all things work together, as I said, for good for those who love God. I'm just glad that I can stand on His promises in those times. Um, I, I was watching the Australian uh, Open golf. Did anybody... I don't, didn't spend a long time, but I was just interested in a couple of golf players because they're playing in Sydney at the moment, the Australian Golf Open. And I think the last, today's the last day, is it? Does anybody know? I think it's the last day. Anyway, uh, I was just reminded of the reality. You know, when they first started to play golf, uh, they invented, this is like, this is over a century ago, they invented a ball that was completely round, which is good because it still is, but it is actually, it was completely smooth. It was because they had this mindset uh, that a, a smooth golf ball will actually go through the air with less friction. Makes common sense, doesn't it? But you know what they discovered through not any scientific testing, but just one day they found that a ball that was pretty roughed up actually could be hit further. And so they invented a golf ball that had dimples in it. And so the dimples actually allow when a person hits the golf ball to go further. And for some reason it creates, and I won't give you the science of it this morning, but it creates less friction and more freedom for that ball to fly through the air and thus it flies further. Hasn't helped me in my golf game one bit, but that's besides the point. I still hit it in all directions. But, you know, the reality is, is that rough the ball up and that you can go further. And I've discovered sometimes endurance needs to be, I mean, the problems and struggles sometimes are not your enemy. They can be your friend because they can certainly help you go further when you allow it to make you a better person. Are you, are you convinced of that? <laughs> Some wise Chinese person said this, Chinese proverb, the gem can never be polished without friction and the man and the woman never perfected without Not exciting news, is it? But it's the truth. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Anything, 
if anything, you know what happens when you endure? Here's the second simple thought. It will move along. Not only become better people, but I've, I've discovered really simple stuff like this. And, and you know, it's all, I'm almost hesitant to share this with you because it's become a, cat, a catchphrase. Well, certainly the verse in Proverbs, the, the verse in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 has become a, a catchphrase almost. But, you know, when you, when you endure, what happens in life is that you grow, you have a deeper trust in God. And the verse, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, some of you can memorize, you know it off by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths or make your paths straight. It must be the most written verse in birthday cards, I reckon. <laughs> but it, because it's a great verse. But let's not become so familiar with the truth that we lose the power of the message. And the power of the message is that truly, folks, in the midst of a struggle, God wants us to trust Him and to go deeper in our trust in Him. He wants us to go deeper. Many people struggle through difficult times um, because it just doesn't make sense in the difficult time. There seems to be no reasoning behind it. It seems difficult. And, uh, and they question, uh, maybe not people here this morning, but there's people who have times in their life and said, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? I just don't understand it. Um, and, and here's a thought. It's easy to depend on your own understanding when the situation is easy enough to understand. <laughs> I found it really easy to understand stuff when it's easy to understand. But it wouldn't be called endurance if it, wasn't, if it was easy to understand. <laughs> and I often think that the situations we face can be great catalysts for us. Not because we understand it, but because we have to trust in God. Because there comes a point, there comes this point, crossroads in our life, where we're going to either say, God, I, I'm running away from this problem. I've had enough of this problem. I'm clocking out of here emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be. Or there's a point where you say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to run into you and allow. I'm just going to have to trust you more. I'm just going to have to trust you more. It can make you... It can give you the opportunity to trust God like you've never trusted Him before. Endurance will help you go to greater levels of trust in Him. It says there, actually, in our original verse in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it says, if we are faithless, in other words, we've just got no faith for the situation. Can I just say it's okay if sometimes you go through life and you just haven't got any, you just got no faith for it. I'm, I'm but you know what? Don't clock out from God right then. That's the time to say, God, I just want to trust you. I haven't got faith for it, but I've got faith in you. I haven't got, I can't work out how this is going to happen and unfold, but I, I do know that if I hang on to the God who can work it out, that'll be better than trying to work it out myself. Um, I do know, God, that even though I'm a faithless, you remain faithful. That's what it says in verse uh, 13. There's another verse that I've come across and had great encouragement from, and it's this verse here. It says in Second Thessalonians 3, 7 and 8, this is, this is Paul talking to the church, this church at Thessalonia, that had been birthed, Paul had birthed it, then he had to leave it, and he'd never been back to this church. And he was concerned that they'd walked away from God or fallen away from God. And he knew they'd been through some trials and some real persecutions. And he makes these statements, he writes this letter to them, 
It was the second letter he'd written to them. And he says in verse 7 of chapter 3, he says, Therefore, brothers, which is generic, brothers and sisters, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. For now we live if, if you stand fast in the Lord. Because he sent Timothy to Thessalonians. And Timothy come back and said they're standing fast in the Lord. And I just want to say the word stand fast is interesting because we often think stand fast. What does that really mean? And we can maybe picture the fact that we're standing fast and, and maybe we've got a sword ready and you know maybe we're in the middle of the fight and we're knocking down the enemy left, right and center and blood squirting everywhere. It's just a real Braveheart moment, you know. Stand fast. If you haven't seen Braveheart, don't. If you're under 18. Who's seen Braveheart? Oh, okay. Great movie, isn't it? Inspiring. Apart from the bloodshed. But um, it's, I always like true stories. But you know, it's one of those... Stand, to be honest, the stand fast here, when Paul speaks to Thessalonians, he's not talking literally about that. You know, being this incredible, courageous... He's not talking about that because the word stand fast literally means to be stationary and abide. It means to stand still. It means to calm down. It means to be quiet. Someone said this morning up here, it must have been Kayla, you know, just, uh, what did we do this morning? Just, just stop for a moment. That's what stand fast means. Just stop for a moment. Who knows that life can go at 100 miles an hour and sometimes we just got to stop. Because if you never stop, you never get time to reflect, you never get time to think, you never get time to ponder, you never get time to abide as it says in John 15, abide in me and you, and you will bear much fruit. So stand fast, literally, isn't this all action hero? It's all about stationary, abiding, slowing down. And some of us never give ourselves an opportunity to do that. And that's what, it, that's what Paul's saying. That's what Paul was saying. Hey, guys, you're standing fast. I can see that you're connected. Here's another way the Bible says what I'm trying to explain to you. Be still and know that I am you haven't all got that be still and know that I am God that's the way we stand fast because it does something on the inside of us to abide uh, to stand just for a moment and say God I find the greatest strength is in times when I just stand fast. I just stop. I just take time to think. I just take time. Uh, you know, and it's amazing how many times when I slow my metabolism down a little bit and all the excitement. Because, you know, in the midst of a problem and a trial and a struggle, the, 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 natural, re the natural response to that can be, I've got to work this out. I've got to sort it out. I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this. And, and the natural response in the midst of a problem can sometimes be a whole lot of emotions, fear, concern, worry. All those things can try and grab us. But right at those times, it's a time to say, hey, just stop. Calm down and think. Give yourself time. And if we did that far more every day of our lives, you'd find that some of the problems and the struggles would become so much smaller and not as big as they are when we really take the time just to stand fast. I'm going to go on to the third thought this morning. Another thing that happens when you endure. What was the first thing? You become better people. The second thing is you develop a greater trust in our Heavenly Father. The, the, the last thing 
that I've discovered is when you endure, um, uh, you learn to hold your nerve. It doesn't seem like a very spiritual thought, but it's a true thought. Because often between the promises of God, or, you know, what God has spoken here in life, or what you're believing for, and, uh, and between the victory, between the reigning, between the gold medal, between the end and result that you always wanted to see, there's often uh, sometimes long times of endurance. And in that time, that's the waiting period, that's the time when you just got to hold your nerve and hold your faith and stand strong. That's the time. It's holding your nerve in those times. Because I like the times, maybe when I've been at church and, you know, the, uh, uh, the speaker may give me a word of knowledge of encouragement. Uh, that's brilliant times, isn't it? I love that. And I love all that. And I, and I love the times of the promise when I read God's word in my devotions. And that is a moment for me. And maybe this morning there was a moment for you as uh, was just shared that, hey, that simple thought that it's not next year to wait for. Wait, it's today is the day. You need to see things new. Maybe that's for you. That's great moments. And I love the moments when you get the, you collect. You know, when the times when you, uh, you get the victory, when you get the medal, when you get the accolades, when it's all going well. But between in the middle part, that's the times. It's the waiting time. We never talk about that, do we? We'll always talk about the victories. We'll always talk about the promises of God. But right in the middle, we sometimes just leave out that middle bit, and we never have a great conversations about that, because that's the more difficult time. You know, that's the more harder time. That's the time, you know, when we have to push through a little bit. Paul said, I press on towards the mark for the high call of the Christ Jesus. And I've often thought, what have I got to press on for? Well, you've got to press past a lot of stuff sometimes. You've got to press past fear. You've got to press past the things that just want to be like a, a soldier, a centurion, or a century. You know, they stand at the Buckingham Palace front gates. And if you're not welcome, they won't let you through those gates. And I tell you, there's some things that the enemy is, doesn't want you to push through on he doesn't want you to go past he's going to stand there and say you're not going through and you're going to say out of the way i'm going through i'm pressing on and see there's there's the times and you know maybe this morning you thought well god told me to go to bible college that was the promise well he did well where's the money i don't know but hold your nerve he's just saying i thought it was god's will for my husband to come to god or my wife well it is well, it hasn't happened. Well, that's okay. Just hold your nerve. Keep on believing. He thought, I, thought, I thought God was going to heal me. Well, he does. When's it going to happen? I don't know. Just hold your nerve. <laughs> Keep on believing. It's never going to do you any bad. It actually will do you good. I thought my children were going to come back to God. Well, yes, they are. Well, they haven't. When are they going to come back? To, I don't know. Don't hold your nerve. Just hold your nerve. Come on. See, sometimes we can think the Christian life is the, you know, is the celebration all the time. Yeah, it is. But it's just times we just hold our nerve. It's, just, it's enduring. See, James says this. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Now, we... It, some people take this as a personal rebuke. Don't take it that way. Just understand it as, hey, that's just a reality. If you doubt, you're asking and you're doubting, you know, that's common sense. You, your person is a little bit there and there. Oh, yes, I'm believing. And next day, oh, no, it's not happening. And, you know, God doesn't want you on an emotional roller coaster. 
of faith. He just wants you to be stable. The person could, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Oh man, that's, uh, that's the truth, isn't it? It, it? That, that you know, if you ever wondered why your li- life can so- sometimes seem uh, so unstable, up and down, it's really easy because you're right smack in the middle between a promise and a breakthrough. You thought I was going to say that was bad. But, you know, sometimes we go through unstable moments. You, you, you're right smack in the middle between what was promised and getting the promise fulfilled. Maybe you've forgotten the promise. And I want to tell you this morning, remember it again today. He said something to you a long time ago. Come on, uh, you haven't seen any movement on it. It doesn't seem to be happening. In actual fact, it looks like the problem is worse than you ever got, than, you, than ever before. And you wonder, why, where is the answer? I want to tell you, folks, you plant a seed, it doesn't have a you don't have an orange tree the next day. <laughs> Sometimes when you plant a seed, what happens is there's real periods of darkness. That seed doesn't see any light. Isn't that true? It's just darkness. There's a soil. There's just, there's just worm poo. It's just all that type of stuff. And it doesn't feel good. It doesn't taste good. It doesn't look good. But I tell you, you've got to just wait because there's a day when you'll break through the surface and you'll see the light. And some of us might be in just the seed form and it's just there in the darkness. But there's going to come a day when it'll see something. Come on. (laughs) Amen. But what if it never happens? What if God doesn't ever come through? Well, how can he ever come through if you don't have a mind that will agree with the things that he promises? change the mind hey many years ago um and i'll finish with this personal this is a story and we'll finish this morning many years ago you know i first became a christian at the age of 13 my cousin led me to jesus on holidays he came up from a little town called gimpy and he led me to christ and i was so excited i received christ readily in my heart i knelt and bowed a prayer I didn't know if that was what you had to do, but that's what I did. And I prayed a prayer after him of commitment to Christ. And to be honest, I've never really looked back. I've had some times when I've probably just kind of let God stand in the background a bit. But I've always just walked with him generally. And, but I can remember when I came to Christ at the age of 13 that I was zealous. And by the, you know, um, my mum and dad, they didn't go to church. And I was going to church. And I thought, man, if, you, if, if you're really Christians, you need to go to church. And so I was quite zealous, and I thought, how can I broach this subject with my mum? Well, what I did was, I thought, I'll just ease her into it, and I'll leave little Bible tracts all around the kitchen. And I always remember at the age of 15, that finally my mum, I was in the kitchen, and she was angry with me. And she says, don't you think I'm a Christian? I was like startled. What do you say to your mother when you're 15? You don't want to answer her back. She was loud. She was angry. She's given it to me. And man, in hindsight, I now realize what it was. Conviction. (laughs) But she was so angry with me. And I thought, oh, far out. The tracks didn't work. (laughs) I thought that was going to work. So I started to leave Bibles. Well, far out. If she was angry before, now she got really angry with me. I thought, what's she going to do? Kick me out? Just for trying to share with her Jesus? 
So I get to the age of 19, and the, the, folks, there is a long prayer. There's a lot of prayer going into this. I want to say most weeks of my life, between the ages of 13 and 19, I just continually prayed for my mum. And sometimes it might have been just, oh, touch your life, Lord. Now, the truth is my mum had gone to church when she was young, but she'd never committed her life to Jesus Christ. She didn't know what that was. No one had ever told her. So at the age of 19, mum agreed to come to this church. That was many decades ago. And she sat somewhere about where Malcolm and Sandy are, and I got her as close to the front as possible. There was an evangelist speaking, and I mean, he was a good, it, it was a guy called, um, I've forgotten, doesn't matter. He used to t- teach on end times, Barry Smith. I always kind of think the end times message was just bait because he wanted to get people to know Jesus. <laughs> anyway, so my brother, who was 19 at the time, he was, uh, sorry, I was 19 at the time. He was, he was nine. He's 10 years younger than me. And so we t- my mum listened to the message. She didn't respond. I thought, oh, rats. At least she's not getting angry, so I thought. <laughs> I took her home in the front seat of my Holden. It's a bench seat. She sat in the middle. My brother on the left, me on the right. I thought, we've got her. <laughs> she's cornered. But you remember that there used to be cars with bench seats for those of us who were under 25 just believe me. And so we all sat in the front and I drove home. And on the way home, I said simply these words. It was like a volcano erupted. I said this. I said, Mum, what do you think of the message? Well, if she was angry when I was 15, now she was just super angry when I was... She screamed and said, I don't want to hear a message like that. I don't... And with that, I said, okay, Mum, sorry. I was just trying to... And with that, she burst into tears And I said, Mum, do you want to receive Jesus? She said, yeah. And I parked the car in the driveway of Wistari Street in Clinton Park. And there my brother led her to Jesus and prayed. And with tears, she received Christ into her heart. She stopped the fight. She stopped the continual, just angry. Because it wasn't me that was the problem, folks. And when you're enduring sometimes, we blame ourselves and we think, I must be the problem of what I'm going through here. Sometimes it isn't the case. It's just a matter of everything around you is in turmoil. Continue to stand strong on what you believe. And we led her to Christ and she, the floodgates opened and she's continued to serve Jesus. And she's 80. Sorry, she's 80. 80 this year and uh, living in Brisbane and continues to fellowship and continues to serve Jesus. And I just think that's wonderful, isn't it? But you know what, folks? There was many years of me just pressing through enduring. Just continue to hang in there. You know, now my dad's an interesting story because I continually prayed for him all my life, but it was many decades before there was even a response to Christ. And you know, i uh, I got to be honest with you. Uh, when I... My dad was dying uh, 2008. He only had seven days left. He knew that because he took himself off dialysis because cancer had riddled his body and he didn't want to die of cancer. He was willing to die on his terms. And I thought he was quite brave. And I, I said to dad one day, Dad, I want to pray with you. Would you let me do that? And he said, yes. And I prayed a prayer of response to Jesus. And then I looked at him and, uh, well, I spoke to him and I said, Dad, do you agree with that? He said, yes. Did he go to heaven? I would want to believe so. 
Did he receive Jesus? I believe he was sincere. I don't know. I just got to trust God. But it took, it took something like 30 years of continual prayer. If that was his moment of salvation, so let it be. Let God be the judge. But all I know is it really was rekindled this week. My dad's response that day on the phone to me as I prayed with him. Because my youngest daughter came out one morning and said, Dad, I just had a dream about Pop Hewitt. I said, what was the dream? And she went searching through all the photo albums. I said, what are you doing? She says, I'm looking for his face. I said, you know what he looks like. No, he doesn't look that old. When I saw him, he was at this long table, this long feast of a table. He was dressed in white and he was young. I said, show me a picture. And it was when he was about 35. She says, that's what he looked like. Is that a picture of heaven that she had a dream about? I don't know. I'd like to say amen. <laughs> Endure. Hang in there. Why does God take so long? It's because sometimes we take so long to just submit to him. We take so long to give our hearts over to him. We take so long. I'm not talking about commitment or salvation. I'm just talking about yielding to him through life and saying, Father, just help me. Maybe today you're here and you're right smack in the middle of the promise and the victory. And it's just unsettling and it's unstable and it's dark. And you can relate to that. Can we stand today as we close in this, this meeting? Can I ask you a question today? It's really important because it's ultimately your future that we're talking about. Could we ask you this question? And if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Would you go to heaven or hell? And if this morning, in answer to that question, you're not sure where you would go, um, being not sure is probably a good indication that you really heaven isn't your destination. But, you know, if you want to be sure, it's, the Bible says it's confession with your mouth and a belief in your heart that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead and did die for us so that we could be saved. So this morning, if we were just to close our eyes for a moment and we're here and I give an opportunity for people just to say yes to Jesus. And if you're not sure about where your future lays and where you stand with God, you can be sure this morning by just, I'd love to pray with you this morning, a simple prayer of response and commitment. And you can indicate that to me by just raising your hand. It, now, make it your response. It's not anybody else's. It's you and God. If you've never done this before, maybe this morning's the opportunity. There's a new day. Could you just lift your hand to me? I'll see that hand and you can put it down. Thank you. Thank you, madam. I see that. Anybody? Thank you, madam, up the back there. I see that hand this morning. Sorry, there was another person. Just raise it. Is there someone else in the middle here then? Thank you. I'll just wait a moment more. Response to Jesus. Just Christians, just be aware. People are making eternal decisions right here. Just wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. I believe that's four people this morning just responded here. It's wonderful. Just heart decisions being decided. I'll just wait a moment more. Anybody else? 
If there's no one else, we're going to pray together. But it, thank you. Thank you, madam. I see the hand. Simply because it's the best way we know how. 